The Fed thinks that the job market's so great. You got James Bullard. You got all of them on parade saying we got blowout jobs number. BS, okay? Number one, in January, showed 517,000 job creations. That is not for real. What, they ha- what we had was we had a seasonal adjustment. The numbers showed we lost 2.5 million jobs. But they said, you know, January, we usually use 3 million. So poof, 500,000 jobs created. We did not create those. But what's even more egregious, take a look, Rob, just scroll through real quick to the next one. I want to show you. So th- this is the 517, right? It really would have been 2.5 million losses on the next one. And go ahead and scroll through if you can. And when you when you... I wanted to show you the thing from the BLS. Just go to the very next slide. Just yeah, just advance it to the next one. You see the bottom left? It says yeah. the arrow. I don't know if you yeah. see the arrow. Yeah, yeah. just advance it to the very next slide. There you go. At the bottom there, you see what says 2.5 million yep. losses? That's from the BLS. You can't play with that. Now look at the next one. The next one's absolutely crazy, Pat. Look at these numbers, guys. You That's see? Bureau of Labor Statistics. Statistics. Right. That's our government, folks. That's our government. So. Take a look at what they showed from the household survey, which, as you all know, that's where, we get zoom in, Rob? that's where you get the unemployment rate. Yeah, there you go. They claimed in January we created 894,000 jobs. But what they did was they made an adjustment called a population control effect. What was that? They picked up some undocumented workers from early 2022. Now, any of us, logically, wouldn't you just... Wouldn't you just go back and say, oh, let's revise the numbers? No. No, Pat. You know what they did? Although they were never created in January 2023, they put 810,000 jobs as created in January 2023. That's why the unemployment rate went down instead of going up. Without wait, that, wait, wait, you're, you're kidding. No, that's right from the BLS. That's right from the So, so those 810 were created in 2022. But they, they put it in 2023. Now, I don't want to. This came out February 3rd. Guess what happened four days later, by the way? Do you What's know what that? What was the big 510? No, the. Uh, State of the Union address was four days mm. later, okay? So now, uh, who knows if they're related. I'm not going to say they are they are, and I just think it's kind of coincidental. But now when we take a look at something like this, that was what happened in January. Let's go to February's numbers. February's numbers were, I thought, think very indicative. If you wouldn't mind, just go right to the next slide, brother. So this shows you what it would have been. It would have been 3.9% without the seasonal adjustment instead of 3.4. Now in February's numbers, here's what we got. It showed 311. Go to the very next slide if you can. 311,000 jobs created, right? But you see on the bottom in yellow, there was a big jump in this one category that says if you're unemployed for five weeks or less, that jumped by 343,000 people. So go to the next slide. This kind of illustrates it. So that's a bucket. That bucket jumped by 343,000. So what goes into the bucket? People that just got unemployed. What drains the bucket? If you either got another job or you're unemployed less than five weeks. If the job market is so hot, we know that the jobless claims reportedly that week were only 194,000. You're very, very low. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the you're not getting the inflow into the bucket, but it's not draining because people either aren't getting jobs or they're or they're they're putting being in a position here where they're staying unemployed. That's why you see this going up. That's so wild that they they present it the way they do to say it's the lowest in how many years? Lowest in fifty seven years, fifty yeah. something years. Hey, it's the lowest and this is lowest and that. So okay. So, so Barry, if what you're saying is true, and let's just say it is based on the numbers you're given it's, here, it's, it's, it's BLS. BLS. So it's not like we're you're you're getting the number from a, a survey. Then that means the economy is worse than it really is. Is that we, a fair assessment? We have less full time jobs now than we did back in May of 2022. Much of the job gains are part time workers, 
Much of the job gains are people working multiple We have jobs. less full-time workers less full-time today than workers May of 2022. You can look at the That's not good. Now, Pat, the next one's going to really blow your mind. Check this out. Now, we got all these job gains, right? Go to the very next slide if you can, please, Rob. This one's really interesting. Do you see that chart on the bottom there? Yes. That chart on the bottom COVID. shows COVID. Yeah. But what these are is hospitality and leisure workers. Right. This has been the engine of growth. Sure. You, most of the job gains have come from this category, but it's not real growth. You're just putting these poor people back to work, right? But if you notice, we're almost back to trend. Do you see that? Well, how course, much, we're how even much, lower than that. But but eventually, let's say we put everybody sure. back. There's not that much more juice left to be squeezed here, right? And if you take a look at the job openings and labor turnover, known as the JOLTS report, this is job postings. Yep. This category last month was down 194,000. So this tells me the labor market's about to take a negative turn. If the labor, and I'm with you, I, I'm I'm fully there, and I I've been saying this for a few months, where I think that's that's the number no one's talking about. Okay, but let's go there. Let's go there. You, uh, your background for people that don't know your background. I mean, if you've been on, you've been on a couple other times. We had you on a podcast. Your background, for people that don't know this, you uh, have won the Crystal Ball Award for the most accurate real estate forecaster in 2017. This is through Zillow in 2019 and 2020. You're the only three-time, I believe, right? Okay. So you've been able to successfully forecast what's going to be happening. That's kind of how what you're known for with that part of your success. You've done other things, but this is specific to this. But we have a great, great team. It's not just me. Our team, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure we have the a great team. Is very team. It's, good. It's, it's, it's a team effort. It's impossible for you to do it by yourself. Right. You you need the right people to give you the data. But still, your name is tied to you based on the data you get. These are the forecasts you made. If these numbers are the numbers you're uh, showing, and we just had what's going on right now with Silicon Valley Bank, okay? And Powell is going to be sitting here. A lot of people were saying, well, before Silicon Valley Bank, it was going to raise the rates by half a point and maybe another half a point, and then back to back. You know, quarter, quarter. Now, some people are saying he's not going to do anything, let alone some people are saying cut. he may even cut and lower it. So what is your forecast on based on this, based on inflation, based on Silicon Valley Bank, what do you think Powell's going to do next with interest rates? Okay, so interest rates is very interesting because mortgage rates are going to be more determined by inflation. And the Fed will have more of an impact on shorter term rates and also the stock market. So I believe that the Fed will more than likely have a difficult time hiking more than a quarter percent. I think a half a percent's off the table. I think maybe zero. I don't think they'll cut at this meeting, but I think that it'll either be a quarter or no move at all, maybe a pause just to see things settle down. Because remember, the Fed, by moving rates up too quickly, has caused these imbalances. Things will break. Now, the problem with the Fed is that they don't look at inflation. Mortgage rates, and real estate for that matter, will be highly motivated and driven by inflation. I have a couple of slides there, Rob, that's probably going to be in the beginning. There's there's a slide there how mortgage rates follow inflation. If you could see the correlation, um, th- okay, this shows you what happens during recession. This shows you mortgage rates go down during every recession. So that that we I believe we're headed for recession. And as a matter of fact, while we're on the topic of recession, look at the next slide. Very, very interesting, Rob. Uh, go up one. I'm sorry. Go up one. Yeah. Why haven't we not been in a recession? Maybe we are. We already had two quarters of negative GDP, Pat. But take a look at credit card balances. The the um, gray area, that's the recession followed by the pandemic. Everybody forgets we had a recession before the pandemic, two months before it. But credit card balances on top were way up, and the savings rate was like 10%. That big spike in savings was the stimulus. That went into people's savings account. Fake. But, but look at what they did with it. They wisely paid off their credit cards. They couldn't spend it on anything else. Notice how they drained their savings and it paid off credit cards. Then we got another stimulus check. 
but we spent that even faster. But what did we do? We bought a lot of name brand stuff that we got. Don't worry, got another one coming. Boom. And then once that stopped, people liked that stimulus lifestyle. Hmm. How do you keep it going, Pat? You charge up your credit cards, which have low balances, and you drain your savings. We've gone from a 10% savings account to 3.5%, and we now owe more on our credit cards than ever in history. Even this has to have a limit sometimes, and that's where we hit the wall. $940 billion yes. credit card. The reports yes. came in. By the way, un- savings rate was the lowest uh, we've had since uh, – it's a long time. It was since 17 years ago, I think it was 2.4% savings rate in February. I want to say these are scary numbers to see that. So, again, saying that, saying that, Powell uh, uh, is almost cornered now with this crisis – to have to either not touch it or lower it. Tom, do you think Powell is going to still raise rates? Do you think he's going to delay it 30, 60 days to see how the market's going to react to this, to see if any other banks are going to react to this? What do you think Powell's going to do next? Well, right now I think it it depends on the next uh, 48 hours. Uh, Today was a a rough day on the market, but not a cataclysmic day on the market. Uh, I'm I'm with Barry. I think a half point's off the table now. I think it's a quarter point. But if there's any jitteriness in the next 48 hours in banking stocks, like there's fallout, they still need to find a buyer for Maine Silicon Valley Bank, remember. They only found HSBC to buy the UK one, and PNC on Sunday night said, nah, I'm out. They wanted PNC, Truist, and U.S. Bank, which are the top three banks at the next tier. They wanted one of those, preferably PNC, because of a stronger balance sheet, to pick up United States SVB. If nobody picks that up, you know, it's going to, I think you're going to see jitters. And if there are jitters, I think Powell may go zero next Thursday. It's the 22nd. Yeah, it's like we got a week, right? We got, it's, what's today? 14th? 13th. So you got 13th. So we got a nine, week in a day. Days. So next Wednesday, if it's jittery, next Wednesday, Powell may go zero, but I believe he's only doing 25. Okay, so here's a question you got to ask. How many people and how, how much you think Powell communicates with Biden, with Yellen? How much communication do you think there is with them and Biden right now? I think Powell, Powell sends 14 text messages a day and receives 1,400. Okay, so how quickly do you think after this event— I'm not being funny. I'm saying, you know, I think everybody's hammering him. I got him. you. I got you, Tom. So how much you think right now a emergency call or meeting has been made with all of them to say the following? Hey, Jerome, we know we can't tell you what to do, but here's what I want you to be thinking about. We both know what's going to happen— if you raise the rates a half a point, the reason why this happened with Silicon Valley Bank is because the rates increasing the way it did, and that kind of messed them up. And they got trapped. How many more banks like that are out there? I don't know. But if you increase it the way you were going to increase it, a point to point and a half over the next four, five, six months, this may be the time for you to pump the brakes at least for 90 days to see how this reacts. Do you think that's the responsible call for Yellen and Biden to make to Powell? I think Yellen made that call on Friday afternoon after they seized SVB in the morning. They knew where the dominoes were going. They were watching the market. I believe that call happened before dinner time on Friday. Can what I you think? Well, I agree with you. I mean, who knows? I, I agree with you. I think your guess is a very, very good one. Um, I want to show you where I think inflation is going, and I want to show you why I think that the Fed, if they only would pay attention to this, they would understand that they've already done more than enough and inflation's rolling over already. Can we please go to the chart 
um, go up a little bit, and I'll, I want to pull this chart up that shows inflation. Oh, you're pulling right, that up, Pat? I think right that there, is, right I there. I think you made the right. Um, right before right the roller question. coaster. Right before the roller coaster. Okay. So what this shows you are shelter costs. Now, when you look at CPI, the Consumer Price Index, the core CPI is what's important because that's how you determine monetary policy. Core takes away food and energy. The Fed can't influence a bird flu and egg prices going up, weather, uh, oil production. So they take that out. They say, let's look at the core rate because we can influence this. 43%, 43 43.2 to be exact, of the core CPI is shelter costs. So that's rent and owner's equivalent rent. The way that the Fed looks at housing and the CPI looks at housing is as a service, as you know. They don't, it doesn't matter what your mortgage rate is, it doesn't matter what your home value is, is what am I paying in rents and what can I rent my home for? So that's what they look at. Take a look at what's happening in this area. It was 18% a little over a year ago, now it's going up by 3%. But the problem is there's a lag. They count the last 12 months, so it takes time. So if you just click to the next one, it's like a it's like a, a like a roller coaster. You got to put it in play mode though, because there's an animation too. It's like real time shelter costs are coming down, but the way it's in CPI. Go to the next one. Just put it in play mode, and uh, go to the next slide. Now advance it forward. If you press, just hit the forward arrow. It's not doing anything. All right. So go to the, go to the next slide and just put that one into play mode. Yeah. For whatever reason, Rob is doing it right. It's just for whatever reason, yeah. the computer doesn't react to it. It All did right. it again two weeks ago, I think, Rob. So, Rob, if yeah. you if you put that in, maybe it's because it's in full screen. Look at the go with the book one, Rob, with the one that's to the left of full screen. Are you able to get out of this, Rob, or no? Rob, please okay, tell me you're not. Right, he's, got he's, got okay, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. You got go. You got the right one, Rob. But just see if you can go to the very next slide. Do you see the arrow on the bottom left? The, there you go. Keep going. One more arrow now. Okay, that go back one. If you could play this one, I want to show you this particular slide. But if you hit, if you hit. Um, forward on that one it's not going to happen there it is okay so you see the blue line there yeah, yeah that's the way it is within the cpi report it's saying shelter costs are going up 7.9 because of the lag in real time it's three percent there's a mathematical calculation we all could do guys take a look if you take the difference between the two which is 4.9 percent and you take the weighting of 43 percent yeah. cpi core is currently overstated by two percent barry explain what you're ex- Mortgage rates have to come Explain down. Explain fifth grader. Real long-term quick. rates have to come down because inflation's already coming down. Just be patient and wait for this lag. Okay, so there we go. The Boom. Let's, let's, can I just ask you that? You're saying that mortgage rates are going to come down. They have to come down because inflation's but, coming uh, down. But Barry, some people will say you're talking like a mortgage broker, which I'm not, you were I'm not a hell a of a good one. You were with GMAC National Sales Director. The <laughs> last time you stopped doing loans was 07. You're like one of the greatest... Uh, LOs that we've had in the market. So a lot of time when realtors or loan officers say that, you're in the space. The the counter argument to that would be, okay, we we saw what happened when we made money pretty much cheap for 12 years and then we try to get off of it. You know, it, it didn't work for us to do that. And right now, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, 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 some will still say a lot of properties are overvalued. The amount of uh, uh, how much uh, home values have increased compared to income has increased. 
It doesn't match. It, the saving doesn't increase at the so people can't afford to buy a house at today's price. I have a chart for that to show you that it's it's a little bit of an interesting scenario. It's not that right now the affordability is worse, but the affordability will improve though, Patrick. There's how? Okay, a couple of things. First on this chart. Isn't, isn't when you say affordability, forget about the charts for a second. Isn't it when you say affordability will improve? It, it, the, this year. Okay, so t- you know what that means to me. That's a very nice way of saying you're about to lose equity in your home. Your property value is going to go down. I think that actually we probably will see about 3% nationwide appreciation this year because the level of inventory, it's just so tight. We saw already in January when rates dropped to about 6%, that where there are multiple offers around the country. I'm not seeing that though, and, and I'll tell in you. In January, a, we saw it. But this I'm, month but it slowed back. But I'm going to tell you, from a buyer standpoint, I'm not seeing that. From a buyer standpoint, I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing from the buyer standpoint, minus five hundred thousand, minus one million, minus two hundred thousand. They lowered it by another two hundred ninety-nine thousand. They lowered it by three hundred thousand. No, 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 well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, always will be specific incidences. Obviously, you're right on the specific instances. Yeah. But if you go by the numbers, let's just say from the FHFA or from Case Shiller. The seasonally adjusted numbers show that real estate values from the very peak after 121 consecutive month rise are down 1% from FHFA, 2.7% from Case Shiller. Those are the numbers from Case Shiller. Those are the best two sources that you know, we have. You know what a seller will say? A seller will say, Barry, I hope you're right, but how come I'm not getting any offers of qualified buyers today? Because I hope you're right. They're hibernating with 7% rates, but that's why this is so important. But, you, believe- but you can't. But for you to say, guys, let's lower the rates. It's all going to work itself out. That's the problem. The, the problem isn't for the, the Powell is sitting there saying, I, I get what you're saying, Barry. I understand what you're saying. A lot of loan officers are getting crushed right now. A lot of realtors are getting crushed right now. I get it, but I can't do this right now. But he doesn't I will, control mortgage rates, Pat. He does not. The but, mortgage rates are going to trade and follow inflation. Long-term investors, the short end of the curve, 100%. All the short end yeah. will follow that, but the long end of the curve won't. You, so so if, if, if that's fair, but that's kind of like me, my kid saying, Dad, uh, trust me, I'm going to read 100 pages this week. Let me play iPad on Monday. I'm telling you I'm going to read 100 pages by the end of the week because I'm going to read it. Just let me play iPad on Monday. I'm gonna be like, no, no, that's not how life works. First, read 100 pages. Then I'll let you play iPad, right? First, let's lower inflation. Then let's that's, lower. That's why it's so important because inflation on a year-over-year basis it has been stubborn because the comparisons from shelter have propped it up, but also the comparisons from where we were a year ago were relatively high. If we take a look, the date that you should be circling is May 10th on your calendar. That's when we get the inflation data. That begins a string of information. May 10th. May 10th. Okay. A string of inflation data that will be lower, replacing higher inflation data from the previous year. It will bring the year-over-year numbers down, and we'll get the shelter. Costs. Barry, trust me. Everybody wants you to be right. I'm not sitting here saying I don't want you to be right. I want you to be right. But the 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 market is seeing other things. The market right now, when it comes down to buying car, the national car payment right now is nine eleven or nine twenty. Just two years ago, it was five freaking seventy five. How the hell is the average American able to go to that? So rates for on a million dollar loan two years ago, the payment was nothing. Today on a million dollar loan at the rates that I'm getting, if I got a seven fifty credit score, if I can show everything, 
It's nearly 50x two, higher. These are two, and two income po- is not increasing. No, no, income, income, income is. I'm by, by 50%? No, but it doesn't have to because you don't use all of your income to qualify for it. So a couple of points. Income, according to ADP, went up 7.2% year over year. Car payment went up nearly 100%. You're, you're 100% right. College is 500%. Guys, I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. It is less affordable. However, in an equivalent state of affordability, you had 20% appreciation. I'm saying 3% appreciation and predominantly due because you have such ast- unbelievably record low inventory. There's 578,000 units for sale in this country. I tell you what. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, you're so good. I'm going to do my next refinance with you. Okay? <laughs> I don't do loans. I, I know you loans. don't. I'm saying this one you may want to do. It's going to be a decent one. But no. So, you know. Uh, 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 Barry, are you, are you getting nominated for another crystal ball award? How does this well, work? Well, look. Well, let's see what happens, right, with rates. Look, look, nobody knows for sure. Of course. Could I be wrong? Of course I could be wrong. However, to me, when I look at something like this and I say, okay, it appears that inflation should be coming down. Historically, mortgage rates or all long rates Dude, always follow what, inflation. What, what I hope. What I hope uh, happens uh, with Jerome Powell, I hope he doesn't break, okay? That's my my fear. I hope he doesn't break. You know what I said uh, today on the call when all these guys are saying, but Patrick, but Patrick, but Patrick. I said, listen, is it fair to say that a crisis happened last week to the economy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. How the hell is the market up on Monday? It, tell me when in your life... Something bad happened in your life, and you got rewarded the next day. I, I don't. Do you realize how that makes no sense? There, there needs to be. If I don't go to school, like it's kind of like me going to school, and I skip two weeks straight. I don't even go to class. I don't know what my homework is. Hey, Miss Taylor, how are things? Well, Patrick, great job because your grade went from seventy-two percent to ninety-one percent. How the hell did my grade go up? I didn't come to school last two weeks. That's what's going on right now. This is very, this is this is where the average person watches the market and says, "I got to tell you, man, this is exactly what I want to have nothing to do with finance. I'm gonna go freaking be a construction worker. That's I'm gonna go be a general. I'm gonna go be a plumber. Forget this stuff here. So you mean to tell me the 16 biggest bank in America goes out of business, and on Monday, rather than people panicking, they say bye. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. By the way, <laughs> when we started the show, the market was up at 3 p.m. when we started it. Now at the close of the market. The Dow was down 90 points, Okay. the S&P did close uh, negative for the day. You know what that means to me, though, down 90 points? What What is 90 points on 32,000? a lot. It's, a very, it's, it's nothing. It's points what? Point one percent point two percent point two eight. Point two eight. That's nothing. Yeah. That's means at the end of the day, a bunch of guys say, thank God, took profit. Yeah. So it was and negative. And the S&P was down point one five. Minor numbers. The S&P was down NASDAQ was up, though, point four five. Yeah, that's the numbers right there if you want to look at it. Nasdaq was uh, Nasdaq was higher 045 percent. S and P's down 0.15. So basically, it was a nothing burger in the no. market today, well, which is that, very there's weird. A, there's other reasons why the S and P by I, there's some technical stuff going on, breaking underneath its 200-day moving average. There's some negatives for the stock market that I see that could cause a little heartburn, maybe another 10 percent drop. But you guys remember in 2007, 2008? I mean, I was just starting my financial career. I couldn't spell 401k at that point. But we remember just the slow drip of information. Boom, boom. All of a sudden, Lehman Brothers is, hold on, what's going on here? And then and then the market's 500 points today, 500 points today, 500 points today. Are we seeing any correlation with what's happening then with now? Is there, like, you know, if you don't learn from history, you're destined to repeat it? Or, or, or is it too early to tell? What are your thoughts? Well, 
like I said, I think that I think maybe the market, the stock market, the equity market appears to me to be a little bit overextended. Um, I think that it will likely retest thirty five hundred <laughs> on the S and P. But you know, it's anything could happen in this in this world, right? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> uh, by the way, Rob, can you can you try to find how bank stocks did today? Okay, bank stocks did today. I'm curious to know exactly. Uh, 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 there you go. I just found this here. Let's see That's what big. it's showing. Oh, my God. Right across the board. Let me just send this to you. And then also, Rob, if you could find KBW Index. That's right. The banking index, KBW. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Uh, I'm going to send this to you. You just see it right there. Uh, now, remember, they have to pay insurance on all of this, so it's going to be more <laughs> expensive for them because they have to pay insurance on everything above 250 There you go, Pat. There's the index. 11% down today. Uh, what is it? This is the KBW NASDAQ Bank Index. So this is an index fund. 11%. 1166. And by the way, right at the start, it was stable through the day. But see at the start, wham. Okay, so Chase is down 1.8. Bank of America is down 6%, give or take. Uh, Morgan Stanley is down 2.29. Wells is down 3%. HSBC is down 2. Royal Bank of Canada is down 0.6. Goldman Sachs is down 3.71. Charles Schwab is down 11.57. Citigroup is on 7.45. Let's see any, any one of them that's uh, big numbers that they have. Doesn't it say here that Goldman Sachs down 12? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 3.7. Okay, that's 12 points. By the way, Bank of Nova right. Scotia, shout out to you guys. They're up 0.74%. Look at Charles Schwab down Be, 11 and yeah, a half. Yeah, I saw that. Come USB. On, Be nice USB is 10% down. PNC is down 5.8. 5.18. ING. Okay, there you go. Tru, uh, Truist Financial Corporation, nearly 17%. So none of these guys, very few of them are down 11.66, but the the fund is down 11.66, give or take. Mm-hmm. So this is Keep good. It should be like this. There should be a price to be paid right now. People should be a little bit skeptical. People shouldn't be sitting there saying it kind of worked itself out. But here's the part. I guess the question everybody at the end of the day has to ask now is this. You know the whole FDIC quarter of a million dollars, okay? So if now you're going to come and protect depositors, and you're saying they should do that. Fine. No problem. Then then you have one of two decisions you guys got to make. Either one, you have to increase to 250 and put no limit, which is kind of what you're doing right now, mm-hmm. or raise it to a number. But if you say 250 and you're willing to do that no limit, then it's not really 250. It's just a wink, wink, 250. Hey, be very careful. But don't worry about it. We're going to back you up even if it's more than two. One part of government will pay you the two fifty. The other part of government will give you the rest. So what's the right thing to do? Do you think that that number needs to be what, Tom? What do you think that number needs to be? Well, I agree with Mark Cuban, and Mark Cuban just said, "Shouldn't we move this to five hundred, like a half a million dollars insured?" Um, I, I think that's a rational approach. Now, I'm all in favor of protecting depositors. I am one. Not of SVP, but um, I am a depositor, and I'd love to see myself protected. But I'll tell you what I don't like. What this basically tells the banks is that you can be foolish, and the government's going to bail out your depositors, and you only have to worry about the investors. I, I, I just think when you, when you make these bailouts, it's, it's a moral hazard. But I think it should be 500 to your core point. I think it should be a little higher than that. Um... You know, I think probably a million is probably more realistic for today's day and age. And what that will do is 
if you have money in payroll, you can probably do sweeps. You can invest it in treasuries and then bring it back in the day before payroll. It is the digital age. You could do these things. However, um, a million would would alleviate for small businesses the need to kind of go mm -hmm. back and forth with more sophisticated banking. Well, you know how they say like to make six figures ain't what it used to be, right? Yeah, so yeah. to use that to use that analogy, when did the yours is FDIC two hundred and fifty thousand dollar limit come into effect? How long ago was that? Um, Do we know? Can we Google that? Because if it was fifty years ago, it's not. The I same it, number. It was, it was, a, it was 100,000. What if we adjusted the 250 across time? Well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it was 100,000 like, for a long time. Was it? All right, I'm just trying to look for, I'm sure Rob's on the ball here, but like, just like, for instance, this this uh, this past year, we've seen that Social Security has increased yep. by like 8% to deal with inflation and the cost of living, CPI, and all that. I'm wondering if that same uh, metaphor could be used for the FDIC. And by the way, Rob, when you do that, can you also run a poll on the podcast right now, since we're on the topic, of what they think it needs to be increased to? Should it stay at – I'm asking this question on Twitter. Well, keep it at keep it at 250 okay? I'm more towards you, which is I think a million bucks oh, yeah. is enough because we can keep it at a million for 10 years, 20 years. Yes. And you just kind of keep it at that number. And, and also, Pat, you don't want it to be too much more than that because then you got to pay insurance on that where that would put some banks that are smaller in a tough position. Mm -hmm. And you bring up a good point there, Barry. A lot of these bank accounts are companies, businesses. I don't know too many just yes. average Joes just with quarter mil in the bank, baby, a million bucks in the bank. Um, but a lot of these are companies that, that don't want to diversify. Imagine if you're a company with $5 million in assets. You don't want to deal with 10 different banks. Like kind of what Cuban said, you have all these fees. It'd be great for the banks, but you just want to consolidate, keep it simple. Uh, that's a good point right there. Especially if it's payroll that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Again, you could avoid that by putting it in treasuries and back and forth, but that puts strain on a small company. You know, you got a bookkeeper or one, you know, if you're a company with 15, 20 people, yeah. it's, 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 it's not easy. Also in treasuries, isn't there sort of a lockup period? You can't just, you can do like, you can do it where it can match, um, your payroll periods. You could, you could stagger it. Yeah. But that's where it gets very complicated. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Keep it simple, Stu, but the yeah. kiss principle. Yeah, running that poll to see what's going to happen with those numbers. But uh, a, a couple couple things here that we're looking at with uh, savings rate. I don't know if you guys saw this here. Wall Street Journal. Uh, savers pile money into bank CDs as rates top 5%. Did you see yeah. that? Where banks are uh, uh, topping 5%. And uh, by the way, when is the last time we had 5%? I think the I last. Yes. Well, I can tell you who it was. I remember who ran a commercial every day. Talking about 5%, 4.5%, 5.5%. You know what the company was? ING Direct. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. Americans are rediscovering uh, CDs as a safe haven amid high inflation, rising interest rates, and economic anxiety balances in CDs soaring from $36.5 billion in April. Is this correct? Damn. Ba Did you see these numbers? Balances yeah. increased in CDs from $36.5 billion in April of last year mm -hmm. to $418 billion January of this year. No, Tom, that's 12x. No, in I just 400. Yeah, $418 billion. Banks are competing for deposits again. 
Uh, after several years of showing little inclination to do so, the top yield in nationally available 12-month CDs are now between five and five and a quarter, which is significantly higher than the average yield on a 12-month CD. Currently at 1.59, CDs work best for relatively short-term savings goals, such as down payment or a ha- on a house. It's crucial to shop around and consider da 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 da. But Pat, that's the problem: is that you're pulling money out of deposits and you're putting them in CDs. Yes. And now you have long-dated maturities that are a mismatch. Yep, that's a good point. What do you think about it, Tom? I, I well, first of all, I agree about with the mismatch. But the second part is, I think there's a there's your there's your answer. Mortgage originations are at their lowest point in 28 years, um, and where's the down payment money? I think you're seeing a lot of this is li- this is liquid money Americans have that a significant amount of that you just described is basically down payment money that's on the sideline. This is and I, I read last Friday the most rate sensitive gener the 35 year old home buyer today is the most sensitive that generation um, most rate sensitive <laughs> buyer in the history. Yeah. Because their lives, they've never seen this. They don't understand that it was perfectly reasonable to have a $600,000 home with a 6% loan on it with reasonable property tax district. They don't understand that that's perfectly realistic. They've been living in a payment economy from their car to everything else they've had that has been so artificial because of ZERP. And so now it's all coming home to roost, and they're like, 6% good Lord! And their grandparents are saying, why are you screaming? Back I want to show you a scary day. number. I want to show you a scary number. I want to show you a scary number. Somebody just sent this here to me saying, Pat, Pat take a look uh, at this here. Uh, uh, and this is by Nick, Nick James, who's, if you're watching this, this is, you send it to me. So zoom in here, FDIC, a goal all the way to the bottom, what their balance sheet is and how much they're protecting. Right now, the amount of money they have, if you look at that closely, they have $125 billion. You know how much they're protecting? trillion dollars. Did you hear that? Yeah, say that one more time. Okay. (laughs) I got a lot of numbers on this page right here. Has $125 billion in their balance, but their insured deposits, the quarter million dollars on the millions of accounts that are out there, they're protecting $9.926 trillion. Uh, Insure like, deposit. Pat, Pat, are you okay? No, but this is the point. What this is showing Nobody's is the, okay. That's what, the problem. What this is showing is the fact that you can't just say, We got you. Don't worry about it. No, you don't have the money. Mm-hmm. You don't have the money. By the way, you may be able to do it for one SVB bank, maybe for a second bank. If all of a sudden you get a third, fourth, fifth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, they, they can't do anything. At that point, if this happens. So you're saying they weren't just concerned about the poor citizens with deposits at SVB? That they looked at their own dashboard and said, good Lord, we better make sure there's no runs on banks Monday. That's right, Tom. That's exactly right. But By the way, you know what that number is? Do do you know what that number is? Like what percentage of the insured deposits they have? What what is, is it 1.26%? It's 1.26%. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Let me... do you understand what I'm asking here? Yes. Like yes. what they have, they only have 1.26%. Yeah, 900 would be 10%. So, yeah, it's about one and a quarter percent. Yeah. Holy. That's it. The reserve ratio. Okay, right there. so that should answer the question here on whether they're saying, well, I just asked the question right now on Twitter. I said, keep it at 250, 501 million unlimited. Uh, 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 36% is the highest, said, keep it at 250. 500,000 is the lowest, 12%. 1 million. 
is the second lowest, 23%. But do you know 29% said keep it unlimited? Limited. You know what that tells you? Hmm. Most people have no clue that the number and the kind of funds that we have. How the hell are we going to be able to protect this unlimited when you only have 1.26% of the dollar amount insured right now, the FDIC? <laughs> Yeah. Can, I, can I tell you actually why low-key I kind of really appreciate what's happening right now with the Silicon Valley Bank? Because it's, it's you know, this whole return to normalcy and all that. These are the types of conversations that we need to be having as Americans with the debt that we're taking on in America, right? And the situations that are going on in the banks over the last few years. The, the Whether it's cultural issues like the wokeism stuff and LGBTQ and critical race theory and all these. Then it became abortion and COVID and jabs and, oh, NFTs and meta world and I'm buying real estate in the fucking metaverse. Who gives a shit? This is what makes America tick. These are the types of issues that we really need to focus on. Great point. And get on the same page here. Not all the nonsensical stuff like I just bought an NFT in the metaverse with a COVID mask attached to it. Like that's... Like, let's get past that and get back to reality here. I think that's very important. Absolutely. I just ask you to be a little sensible for people that are going through <laughs> challenging times. And have, a, a, have uh, a little sympathy and compassion for the folks that bought land at $4.8 million <laughs> in, in the, the freaking metaphors. Versus have some with respect. a board ape. Uh, have a little bit of Matt, respect. Seriously. Hey, you know what? You're, you're insulting a lot of people right now. Okay. So, uh, uh, so next question. Next question. Uh, Tom, the market today is reacting to what's going on. Okay. A day, two days, three days, a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I'm going to go strictly to you here. Do you think if, if, if I were to ask you the chances of this happening with another bank that's worth more than $100 billion, the 38 banks that are worth $100, $100 billion or more, what is the likelihood of another bank or two also going through this the next few months? Give me the percentage. What do you think the percentage is? You can say, you know, whatever percentage. If you're a betting man, what do you think it is? Well, knowing what we know, um, and ZERP for so long and such a level of irresponsibility, I think it's probably about a 25% chance. You think that high? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I think that's there's a... probably a 25. Well, here's, here's it. 25% chance of like a run on the bank and everything else going like this? Or do I think there's a 25% chance that there's another bank like Signature that gets a tap on the shoulder? Different question. Is there another bank like Signature that, that the regulators are going to like reel up and say, okay, guys, we got to read those freaking footnotes and we got to read everything right now. Is there another bank out there that they're going to collar? like they did the New York other bank. No one knew about this other New York bank. It was an oh-by-the-way point in the Sunday news cycle, right? Mm -hmm. and what's this other bank's signature? Well, well, while we were talking to Silicon Valley Bank, we already knew this was coming, and so we kind of sent a couple of the boys over there to kind of pull them into line. So do I think there's one more? I think there's a 25% chance that there's that's one more. That's a pretty high number, I think. I think that's a very high number. Yeah. Uh, uh, Barry, I think you may be a little bit more conservative than that. Where, where are you at with that? So if you were to uh, – there's a chart I have that I'm going to I'm gonna send um, – I'm going to send it to you, uh, to you, Pat. I'm going to, I'm going to text it to you. Or should I, should I send it to Rob? Is that the best way to go here? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm texting it to you. It gives a scoreboard. So take a look mm -hmm. at that. I just texted it to you, Rob. Um, I think if the Fed did not step in, there'd be a hundred percent chance of this happening. But now that the Fed stepped in with this facility, I think that it is unlikely 
that it does happen. In my, you know, so I would agree. If the Fed didn't do it, uh, very, very high. First Republic jumping around on one leg now. Exactly. They, they're amputated one leg. Exactly. Just, just to be clear, you're saying there'd be a 100% chance of another bank I, failing? I agree with them. Yes. But, it, it, by the way, that's what I'm thinking of. I, I, I yes. agree yes. with them yes. in a way where... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, take a look at that. That's your, that's your scoreboard. You, you know right why? There. You know why he's why, why I'm I'm on the side of what he's saying right now. If they don't do anything about it, because what this decision did mm-hmm. to the other third twenty seven to the other twenty six regionals and the number of communities and all the smaller banks, I as a depositor said it's going to be fine. Yes, the FDIC, FDIC is going to step in. But here's a question: Just like we just found out, what percentage of depositors you think know? <laughs> that the FDIC on their balance sheet only has 125 billion to protect 9.9 trillion. What I, percentage of depositors in America think knows that? Zero. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. We all didn't know Nobody that. I just that. learned right now myself. Yeah. So, so, th- so that's the part. So you're 25 percent, even with it happening. Where are you at now that the Fed did step in? But what would you be at? Would you say 5%, 10%? Yeah, un- m- unlikely, um, okay. because I think there's facilities to get you out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't I have no idea, but I mean, you guys have here, a lot of credibility here. Right what I would like to avoid is sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy and be like, these banks are definitely going under. And then the narrative kind of starts happening with that. I, I like that the fact that the government is stepping in and, and ensuring people everything's OK. Right. Why well, you were going to if you would. I thought you were going to ask me. Like, do you know of one? And I was going to say First Republic. But beyond that, I agree. I think there's a lot of banks out there right now that are trying to make it right if they're not right. And they also know that the depositors are safe because grandma has put this thing out there, $25 billion in the BTFP. Let me ask you guys a question, Barry. This is for you. So this is sort of a naive question because I don't work on bank balance sheets, but... You know, if you're at Chase, if you're at Goldman, if you're at Wells, at BOA, like you're talking about the that Silicon Valley Bank didn't have the the risk officer or the risk manager even working for the last eight months. These banks, I assume, are like alert, red alert, red alert. Like, let's make sure we're solvent. Like, are there are there's protocols in place that banks are making sure that they're good to go? I, I think that. Uh Hopefully, that's something that everybody is looking into. And if, if, I mean, they probably already know where all the bodies are buried, right? Now, I think everybody else has line of sight to see that these investments in supposedly risk-free assets that aren't subject to the haircut because of uh, of the fact that interest rates have gone up. I think people are looking at what is the percentage of loans that you have that were at very low yields mm-hmm. that mark to market, if mark to market right now. How much would your actual solvency be? Yeah, I mean, and this goes back to Pat's four points of capitalism and the freedom to fail, and the metaphor of the entire 2008 crisis was what too big to fail. So I'm wondering, with all this consolidation of banks and Pat saying that we need more competition in banks, what happens if one of these massive banks fails? Like, what happens? To the U.S. at that point. Well, no, that that part is when others will come in and pick them up for pennies on a dollar, right? Like with WAMU, you're saying WAMU. What, you saw three hundred eight, three twelve, whatever the number was. For how much billion. they were volatile? Yeah. They were bought for a buck nine, billion nine. Ridiculous. That's nothing, right? That's pennies on a dollar. WAMU went like this to Chase, and how uncomfortable was the CEO sitting right here three yeah. four months ago? His the most uncomfortable him. meeting that we had because he thought he was coming here to talk about seven keys to success, and we talked about. 
how the hell did WAMU, one of the biggest banks in America, go down the way it did? So, yeah, that that to me, you know, there's a part where if you're looking at this and it, it, whether you agree with the decision or not, <laughs> you, you just have to make sure there's not three or four other banks out there. Because if there is, Tom, FDIC cannot do nothing. It'll be another quantitative easing. 3.0, 4.0, whatever you want to call it. Super tarp. And this time around, it will not be a small number. This time around, it's going to be a couple trillion dollars, if that happens again. And the banks every day, and this has been part of Glass-Steagall and a lot of other regulation, the banks at the end of each day have to post to the regulators a balance sheet with certain tests, right? And so there is visibility out there. That's why the regulators jumped in on Silicon Valley Bank on not just a crashing stock price. They jumped in on because the run on the bank, it's actually, they were almost kind of blind to the public activity because they look at the sheet at the end of the day and they're like, sweet Jesus, you know, these guys are dead. And the regulators can only jump in on the regulatory violation. And so and that's when it happened. And when there was a $42 billion request and then all of a sudden they're negative 958, just under a billion at the end of the day. And they're like, okay, not only have you flipped the circuit breaker, you flipped all of them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and here we come. And so that happens every day. So I got a crazy like question for you. It's not like there's no visibility. This, this has nothing to do with anything, but it does. We know what's happening next year. We know right now. Vivek Ramaswani is going out there making his rounds, and he's getting on this space. He's working his tail. He's everywhere, right? The guy's like this. He's hustling. You can tell he's out there. Mm-hmm. You saw Pence make a comment that he made. He's still on the January 6th comments that he made about, I don't know if you guys saw that or not. Yeah, where of he's, course. You know, it, it's going to go down as one of the worst embarrassing, what did he call it? He, he threw said, Trump under the bus. In a, in a major, major History way. History won't treat him fair. He endangered my family. Yeah, something like that that Pence said, right? Who is going to use this crisis the most, and who will this crisis help the most? Does this help Biden? Does this help Trump? Does this help DeSantis? Does this help a candidate from the outside that's going to come in? Who does it help? Or it's too early to tell. What do you think? Wow. Tom, I'll go to you first. Uh, I think this helps DeSantis for three reasons. The, The mainstream media, once again, Trump derangement syndrome, they're out there attacking him, saying it's all his fault. And it's irrefutably on Biden's watch. And so the guy that's standing over here, that there's really nothing stuck to him, is mm. the guy who just got a benefit out of a couple of big crises and rock throwing. And so I think that helps DeSantis. I think uh, not that he's running. I don't think Bernie Sanders is running. But this entire storyline just screams, the, the millionaires and the billionaires get all the favors out of here. And the little guy... That the whole Main Street versus Wall Street narrative right there. I mean, this is Silicon Valley Bank getting bailed out. I mean, in the heart of Tech Valley out there. And this is just going to go right to the squad and AOC. And they don't care about you. They don't care about Main Street. All they care about is Wall Street, Silicon Valley. And it's just going to be the same old, you know, Bernie narrative. And by the way, that's that was the infancy of the Occupy Wall Street movement and how this all started. And he's kind of not wrong uh, to call out this sort of crony capitalism. I don't know. I, I, I think that um, I think that because this can affect people who are on a salary that are getting paid, I think it's a little bit of a different thing. And because 
you do have pain from people who made the investments in the bank. The 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 big the big money who were the investors, the stockholders, they got wiped out. You know, the bondholders probably get a lot of pain that they're going to feel. So I I don't think that that's the way that it'll be told in certain media outlets. I don't think they'll tell the whole story. I think they'll do exactly what you're saying. I think you're right that that's the spin that they'll try to put on it. Mm -hmm. But this is not a Donald Trump problem. He did not create this. You know, this was a Dodd-Frank issue and this was a lack of oversight issue, which is for the last couple of years under the current administration. I mean, the, the balance sheet of this bank turned last year. This was a very profitable bank. These investments turned based upon what the Fed did under this administration's watch. So I know they're going to try and spin it the best that they can, but anybody who can see through that can see that this is clearly on it's clearly on the Fed, it's clearly on the additional stimulus that caused the inflation. It's and it's it's on the lack of oversight on what these banks were able to but do. At the end of the day, isn't it on specifically Silicon Valley Bank? More than anything, right? They were allowed. Yes, it is, of course. But they were allowed to not have to disclose these as tier one capital losses because of the Dodd-Frank ruling. Uh, Rob just pulled this up. Ron DeSantis blames woke culture for Silicon Valley bank collapse. Reminds him of financial crisis. And um, <laughs> Bernie Madoff, he's trying to jump on top, yeah, jump the, on it. The only and, reason I'm laughing is because... Ron DeSantis is going to blame everything on woke culture. That's his entire MO. This bank, they're so concerned with the DEA and politics and all kinds of stuff. I think that they really diverted from uh, focusing on their core mission uh, uh, while noting that he didn't have any similar information on certain Florida banks or any concerns on runs run on banks in the state. By the way, can you pull up what uh, the chief, uh, 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 I don't know if it's the chief operating officer, but one of the C-suites, uh, or could have been the VP, what the lady said in her profile. You have it. I send it to you. It's a picture that you have. It's one of the three pictures that would right there. Go back. This is the head of financial risk management and model risk Silicon Valley Bank UK Limited. The phrase, you can be what uh, you can't see, resonates with me as a queer person of color and a first-generation immigrant from a working-class background. There were uh, not many role models for me to see growing up. I feel privileged to co-chair the LGBTQ, I don't even know, ERG, and help spread awareness of livid queer experiences, partner with charitable organizations, and above all, create a sense of community for our community, employees, and allies. This is the head of financial risk management and model risk Silicon Valley Bank UK Limited. I mean, what that profile has to do with how good you are at your job, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but listen, go for it. Hey, I think Vaitaman is going to rock because I'm half Assyrian, half Armenian, born and raised in Iran, lived at a refugee camp in Germany, and I can relate to people whose fathers is a 99-cent store cashier and parents got to do – can you imagine if I put that on my profile? And you're also a married man who's straight and you have kids and you like coaching baseball. Uh, uh, like, what this, does that have to do well, with Well, to her, that could work against me. Yeah. To her, that could work against but don't me. don't assume that it's a her because – her name, his name is Jay. Oh, my God. Don't, so, don't. Ra, uh, 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 our guy posted a picture on PBD Podcast the other day. If you go to Twitter profile, he's so funny, the stuff he posts. Uh, 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 he posted, he says, uh, uh, only kids from 90s will remember this. I don't know if you saw this or not, Rob. Mm -hmm. This meme it even made me crack up. I almost peed my pants when I saw this. I'm like, this guy's funny. I'll send it to you here. Okay, go two more lower. It should come up right there. Two more lower. Uh, right there. 
Only 90s kids will remember this. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's crazy, I was, I, was, uh, I was having lunch yesterday with a buddy, Oliver, if you're watching this, and he said that he was traveling, and there was a drop-down box just like this, and he had to enter his pronoun. Had to. He was traveling, and it was, I was like, what'd you put in? He's like, well, I put in, you know, he, his. But he's like, I don't, I've never done this in my life. But it was all the he, she, we, they, us, who, what, when, when, they, LGTQG. And he's like, dude, I'm just trying to get a flight here, buddy. Honestly, like, if you think about yeah. it, to some people it's intimidating that the American alphabet has how many letters in it? 26. It's 26. 26. Yeah. And that's already intimidating. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> now you're throwing pluses and decimals and pi signs in there? <laughs> Holy like, shit. Only the strong will survive with that many acronyms. I was in the military. We had to remember acronyms. But th this one makes it even tougher. Uh, I want to do one last story before we wrap up. One last story before we wrap up here. Let me see what I got here. If we got any stories for today. Or we keep it for tomorrow. Tom, do you have any stories? Uh, ba, 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 ba. Can we tell a story maybe about why like the future might look bright and we're not all just going to go down with the ship? Oh, you here? know what? That's a good question when, yeah. you, when you ask that. A, a girl uh, uh, posts a question in Instagram uh, about what's going on. I posted a video and she says, and you still think the future looks bright? And I said, only for those who view themselves as leaders. Very simple. What do you mean by that? Someone asked. A leader never sees himself or herself as a victim. Put them in any situation. Yes, it's going to be painful season. Yes, going to go through tough times. You know, in our company right now, it's so funny. I started, I mean, it's not funny. I was a 23-year-old guy, started selling insurance. And now I'm 44, 21 years. And we went through the experience of everybody was single. And they, had, they would bring a different girlfriend or boyfriend. So you never know who was serious. Then we went through the experience of people getting engaged. Oh, my God, engagement party, all this stuff, which is kind of cool, 28 years old. Then you went through, you know, marriage. Oh, my God, the guy's getting married. Let's go to his wedding. Let's go to a wedding. And you went through a few divorces as well. Some didn't work out, and you have to kind of go second try or third try. Then people had kids, and you want to celebrate. And it's like, oh, it's awesome. You're having kids. It's great. Congratulations to you. Then a second kid, then a third kid. Then you go into those parties. And then when your age is 44, parents start dying. That's kind of what we're going through right now, and it's hard. Uh, one of our guys, his mother passed away yesterday. Another one of our guys who's there from both of them there, you know, one of them was there day one. The other guy came in a year and a half after started a company. His mom passed away two weeks ago. And you have these conversations, and this is just happening more and more and more because age is now in the fours. And when you go in the fives, other experience is going to happen. We're going to go to kids' graduations and all this stuff. Six, you're going to have health issues. Someone had a heart attack. That could happen in your 50s. Stroke, all this other stuff. Life is going to happen, and it's going to happen to all of us. Whether it's a loss of a loved one, it's a bankruptcy, it's a loss of a job, you lose a business, you go through challenging times, you're going through emotional times. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. None of us are free from it. Not Rob. Not you, not Tom, not Barry, not I, not you. But uh, somehow, some way, leaders figure out a way to go through it, whether they mourn privately and they do it with people they trust and they feel safe with, whether they go through it amongst a church or somebody that they feel comfortable to go talk about it with. Uh, but you're going to go through it. However, there's a reason why we follow leaders, because they know how to handle tough times better than others. So my challenge to everybody listen to this, Instead of being overwhelmed, this is real. We're not faking it. We're not acting like this isn't real. Oh, just go read a positive thinking book. It's going to be all right. No, it could be pretty ugly the next 6, 12 months. 
But if you choose to lead, it's times like this where you create a reputation where people call you a leader. They don't call you a leader during good times. They call you leaders on how you handle bad times, and this is the season. So we just sent a text at the beginning of the podcast, and it went to people that were part of the podcast, okay, for the second live that's coming up at our studio. The last one we did was a hit. We had a blast of people that were coming in. Well, I can tell you in the first nine minutes, the VIP tickets sold out instantly. I think there's only 40 tickets left because the people that got the text messages, they were able to go do it first. Now it's being announced to everybody. Our second live that we're going to have will be a different schedule. We're going to do it from 7 to 9. You'll come at 6 o'clock. There's going to be different things that you'll do. And then from 7 to 9, we'll do the podcast. 9 to 9.30, we'll do private Q&A. Then we'll do pictures mingling, and then we'll go into the cigar lounge, have conversation. Some of the best conversations I had was in the cigar lounge. We sat down. A lot of valuetainers were asking questions. Hey, what about this and what about that? And we had a chance to network with everybody. Uh, we are currently scheduled for the 6th to have uh, Dave Rubin will be with us. And it is the weekend of UFC 287 yeah. or 283, one of them. So there's going to be a lot of other people in town. Can't tell you who else is going to be there. But we got some friends we're talking about that could be there at the event as well. So if you haven't yet bought your tickets, Robert, let's make sure we put in the description, in the chat, uh, and in the comment section so you can get your ticket. It will sell out ASAP. I am looking forward to seeing many of you on April 6th with us at our new studio. Having said that, Barry, thanks for coming out. It, it was is. phenomenal. Very good insight. It's a privilege to be here. I, I love everything you do. I follow every single one of your posts. It's like I don't know how you find this amazing stuff. Anybody who's not following you is crazy, but uh, but thank you for all you do. Man. I appreciate hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, this thank was you. great. Believe me, this and was great. Thank you guys. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Barry, it's yeah. been a while. And just by the way, I think we had 15,000, 16,000 live yeah. on with us today. Yeah. If this is your first time watching PBD Podcast, we do this weekly, yep. three, two, we do three this times weekly. a week. Join us. Subscribe. Be a I part put, of what I we're doing. I put a lot of content on Instagram. If you, I am Barry Habib. Just if you want to follow, I put a lot of a lot of this short content on about these types of topics. So, it, What's the best place to look you up? Is it Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. Okay. I am Barry Habib. I am Barry Habib. That's it. H-A-B-I-B. Yep. Barry Habib. I am Barry Habib on Instagram. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.